Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Well, today I am excited that we are beginning a new teaching series called There's More. When we come to the end of ourselves, there's more. How many of you in the room agree with that idea? You know what I'm talking about. When we come, just a few of us apparently, when we come, but this series is going to get you there, when we come to the end of ourselves, there's more. It may not always feel that way. It may not always feel like there's more. You may feel empty. You may feel spent. You may, you know, your bank account may be, uh, you know, in the red. Your job situation may feel dead, right? But when you come to the end of yourself, I want to assure you this morning that there's more. There's more in you. God has more for you. God has more around you. God has more for your purpose, your passion, your peace. He has more for your relationships, more for your spiritual growth. He has more for your future. I believe that God has more for you, and that's not not something that we should take lightly. But sometimes less is more, right? Sometimes less is more. We know God's more is different from our more. Sometimes... His more maybe is less. Sometimes his more may be more. Sometimes his more may be nothing. Sometimes his more may be everything. But in the end, it always equals more than we can ever imagine, guess, or request in our wildest dreams. Right? Are you all with me? God's more is different. His ways are higher than our ways. So out through, throughout this series, what we're going to do is we're going to talk through a lot of subjects that I believe are really relevant to our lives things that we have to navigate in this world. And I'll give you a few examples of the things that we're going to be talking about. I'll throw these ideas on the screen. But for example, we're going to talk through that there's, we need more love in a culture of fear. That we need more truth in a culture of confusion. That we need more joy in a culture of despair. That we need more justice in a culture of inequity. That we need more generosity in a culture of selfishness. That's just a few of the things we're going to be talking about over the next number of weeks. We actually have quite a few more subjects we're going to be tackling for the next 11 or 12 weeks. But just think about those five, right? Anyone agree that there's more love, truth, joy, justice, and generosity that God wants us to experience? Anybody agree with that? Look at your neighbor and say, there's more. more. Look at your neighbor and say, "There's there's more. All right. I think I'm getting you guys there today. Whew. I'm going to work hard already. Today's message. <laughs> Guys, come on, man. It's almost summer. Today's message and title of this subject, the subject we're going to cover today is this. I'll put it on screen. More praise in a culture of problems. Unfortunately, problems are like belly buttons, right? We all have them. Some are outies and some are innies. Some of our problems are outward external problems and some of our problems are inward internal problems. Are you all with me now? Thank you. The truth truth about the person next to you and down the aisle from you is they got problems. Problems you don't know anything about, no matter how happy their life looks. And here's the truth about you is you got problems they don't know anything about. Some are external, some are internal, but here's the thing. There's a lot of good news that we're going to share today. We're going to jump into Romans chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. This is from the message version. Paraphrase for those of you who are technical. There's more to come. More to come. Okay. I like that already. It's starting in a good way. There's more to come. We continue to shout our praise even when we're hemmed in with troubles, 
even when we're hemmed in with problems, we'll still shout our praise. Because we know how troubles can develop passionate patience in us. So it's God's help that gets us to a place of patience. And how that patience, in turn, forges the tempered steel of virtue, keeping us alert for whatever God will do next. Now that is also known as hope. We have hope for what God will do next. So in other words, what we're reading right here in Romans 5 is praising in the face of our problems produces hope in the promises of God. That's not even a point today, but that's a pretty good point. Praising in the face of our problems produces hope in the promises of God. You know, if we wanted to discourage one another today, we could all just get up in a line and we could just start talking about all our problems, internal, outernal. We we, we We could even... We could even start talking about all the problems that the world faces. How many of you guys know there's some problems in the world today? We could start talking about the things that are stressing us out and frustrating us and breaking our heart. But obviously, we don't want to discourage one another today, so we're not going to do that. But I will say there is a good time and a good place with appropriate people for us to air out our problems. But we all get the feeling at, at times, like, how am I going to fix this problem? Who is going to fix that problem? Meaning, why can't the government figure out how to bring our social divides in this country? Who's going to fix that problem, right? Why can't United Nations figure out how to help Ukraine? Why can't we have more political candidates that we can trust in? Why can't our school systems figure out systems of equity for every child? Why can't we have cities that figure out solutions for the pop for those that are impoverished why can't i fix my own problems you're probably thinking that i have been trying to fix the same problem for 20 years and i'm at the same place i was what is wrong with this system it doesn't take long to realize that when you come to the end of yourself you can't fix every problem it doesn't take long to realize that when you come to the end of every human system we can't fix all the problems But thank goodness there's more. Because here's the thing. We all need help. And thankfully, at the end of ourselves, there's hope, there's help, and there is more. The problem about problems is we've become a culture who actually loves to praise our problems. Think about it. What do we promote in this world? Because whatever you promote you personify. Many people continually promote their problems. It's all they talk about. It's all they pray about. It's all they, it's all they think about. It's all they post on social media about, right? It's what we watch on the news. If, if we think the only thing that is newsworthy in this country is problems, then we like to really praise our problems. We are promoting our problems to everyone because what you promote, you personify. And promotion is another way of saying praising. So when all we do is fixate on our problems, we are just praising our problems. But I don't want to just focus on my problems, right? I want to get my eyes on something bigger. I want to not worry about the things that I, I don't want my worry to be the thing that I'm fixated on. I want his word to be the thing that I am focused on. Jesus said in John 16, he says, I have told you these things so that you, will may, you may have peace. In this world, you will have peace. Another word for trouble is? There you go. Let's do that again. In this world, you will have? Another word for trouble is? 
but take heart, I have overcome the world. How many know that Jesus has overcome every problem? So today I want to make the case that we need more praise in a culture of problems. And I'm not suggesting that praise and worship makes problems disappear. Instead, I want us to consider how praise and worship of God will change us as we walk through problems, troubles, and struggles, right? Because here's the challenge we all face. The truth is often our praise is best when our problems aren't as prevalent or when our problems get solved or when good news comes, we look at one another and say, praise God. We celebrate and praise God after the breakthrough. But when the problems are at their worst, when we are desperate, well, that's typically when we are, when we struggle to praise God. It's, that's often when we, with, excuse me, when we withdraw, when we feel angry, we feel depressed, we feel distant from the Lord, distant from people. The last thing many of us want to do when our problems are peaking is to praise. Life, though, is not about avoiding problems. It's about how we handle problems. Everyone is looking for life hacks these days, right? We want a life hack on everything because we want an easier path to make our life better. Nobody's willing to pay the price to experience life to the full. So often we are looking for a shortcut through life, through problems and around problems. But again, it's not about avoiding problems. We can't like life hack every problem. It's about how we handle problems. So sometimes we're just like, we just need God's presence to show up because God's presence will fix our problems. God show up is what we say, fix my problems. But what if his presence is more about giving you perspective on your problem so that you have a new way to see your problem? What if he's already provided all that you need to face the problems in your life? God's presence helps us see problems differently because perhaps we could look at it this way. He's given us all we need. Everything that you need is within your reach. So you leave your list of the things you don't have alone and you focus and consider what's already in your hand. For example, the wisdom that you need to deal with that problem, maybe it's on the book on your shelf that you haven't read yet. <laughs> this is kind of funny, but how many times have you ever been given a, maybe you've been given a book by someone, they're like, hey, 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 you need to read this book. It's gonna really help you out. You're gonna love it. And you're like, cool, thank you so much. You put it on your shelf, you never read it. And then you're like, man, what am I going to do with this problem? But God already gave you something through a friend that you never read. By the way, we look at books like that sometimes as a trophy on our bookshelf instead of a tool for our life. Bookshelves should be toolboxes, not trophy cases. That's just me. But anyway, <clears throat> some of you really like that. Um, a couple years ago, I was helping Addie. I was, at, I was helping Addie do her homework. <clears throat> she had a worksheet. You know, they have the questions and they have the three lines and you got to fill in the answer, right? She has a worksheet. She's studying American history, early American history. She's like, Dad, I can't find the answers to these questions. And I was like, okay, well, I can help you. And uh, so we're looking and I'm like, we're, she's looking at her notes. She's looking at her notes from her class. I was like, okay, she's not finding the answers. I said, do you have your textbook? She's like, yeah, yeah. She pulls it out of her backpack, right? She pulls it out of her backpack, and then she's, she, I was like, what unit are you in? You guys remember that in grade school? You have the units? So she's like, what unit? I'm, she's like, I'm in 2.4. I 
And I'm like, all right, so we go to unit two, chapter four, right? And we're reading through, and I'm like, every, and in elementary, if you remember, like every question is spelled out, and then the answer's right below it. You guys remember that? You're like, so like, I'm just reading through the textbook, and I'm like, man, I'm really smart. I know every one of these things. And I'm like, I'm like, so here's the deal. We answered every question. She was looking at her notes, but how many of you know, how many of you know that her notes were not as good as the original text? <laughs> you ever think God is thinking? You ever think God is thinking when we're praying to him, begging for him to fix our problems? He's like, you ever think, would you quit working from your notes and go and read the book I gave you? I promise you the book will help you. I've given you all that you need. It's about how we handle problems. And when we read the scriptures, God handled problems differently than we handle problems. You remember when the disciples went up to Jesus and they said, Jesus, we got a problem. There's like 5,000 people plus out there and we don't got any food. We need to send them home. And he says, why don't you give them something to eat? And they're like, like, and then he says, in fact, just go get that little boy's lunch over there. That should fix the problem. Or what about when Joshua is like, God, thank you so much for asking me to enter the promised land, but we got a problem. Have you seen the walls of Jericho? Maybe, God, you could do that pillar of fire thing or something. And God's, God's like, no, what? I got a better idea. Here's a trumpet. Walk around that thing and blow the trumpet. We got this. I'll, that'll solve the problem. God has problems differently. Oh, the best one, right? The people of God are waiting for a Messiah to come. They're waiting for a Messiah to come, and they're expecting God to come to the world, and he's going to be beamed in from another multiverse like some superhero. Marvel, guys, it's okay. I haven't seen Doctor Strange. Don't tell me anything. Uh, but here's the thing. So, but he doesn't come in like a superhero. He says, actually, go get me, go get me Mary. Go get me Mary. I, I know that she's not married yet. She's a virgin. This is going to be a scandal. But, but go ahead and get Mary. I'm going to choose her to be the mother of Jesus. And Jesus, here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to go, and I don't want you to change the world through, the through, through, through earthly power, through physical power of sword and arrow. I want you to go wage war in the souls of men and women to where you would, you would change them through the power of love and sacrifice. He's like, listen, I think that's going to solve the problem. Everybody's like, Jesus, I mean, God handles problems differently. Are you all with me? He sees our problems, has a different perspective. His ways are higher than our ways, a different way of handling them. I want to take us to two places in Scripture, Philippians 4, and then in a moment we'll look at Acts 16. Now, Philippians 4 is what I'll call the prescription to our problems. And Acts 16 is where we see the prescription practiced. All right? So there's a prescription here that I want to read to us in Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 4. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Everyone say always. always. That's a lot of rejoicing, people. Then he says, I say it again, rejoice. It doubles down on the rejoicing. Let your gentleness be evident to all. That's a good word. Gentleness is good. The Lord is near. So thankful for that, that God is near to us. Do not be anxious about anything. Are you serious, God? Like nothing? I love the version of the Bible that says, be anxious for nothing. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests. In other words, could be your problems, your needs, your wants to God. 
And then he says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. If you've been in church for any time, you know this verse. It's a popular verse. It's referenced often because it's so relevant to our lives. We feel what this scripture is speaking about. We feel these feels in our life. We feel anxiousness, but we also see this thing that says rejoice always. We're like, we want to do that. Every situation submitted to prayer, we want to do that. We want to be thankful. We want the peace of God. So this verse resonates. And he says, listen, if you do these things, this is where the prescription comes in. If you do them, then you will experience the peace of God. And it's a kind of peace that's incomprehensible. Now, if you have sickness or you have an injury and you get a prescription from a doctor, most of us trust that that prescription is going to do good pur- a good purpose for us, right? We're, it's going gonna, it's gonna to solve whatever issue we're having. It's going to help with the pain we're experiencing. It's going to help fight off the sickness that we're facing. And in some ways, this is what God is doing right here. He's giving us a prescription. This past Monday, I was in my backyard, and <clears throat> I was moving a, one of those big umbrellas, like sun umbrella. You know, I grabbed the umbrella, and right when I grabbed it, stuck my hand into it, something bit me. How many know when something bites you that you can't see, that's never fun. I thought maybe I got stung, but no, it was a bite. That thing, it was like, it was like this was like a tarantula, but I couldn't see it. It was so small, but for whatever, that, that, that thing packed a punch, man. I, I come back, my hand starts swelling up. I mean, I, my finger, my finger looked like a pole of sausage. It was ugly. It swelled up. It was nasty. And it hurt, shooting pain through my hand for the next two hours. I'm thinking, man, what's going on? But I didn't go to the hospital because I'm a man. I'm seeing spots right now, but I don't know if that's a problem. But here's the thing. We decided, we looked on WebMD because we're all doctors now. And I said, I'm a web, I have a web and I, and I can be the MD here. So I prescribed something, me and Christy prescribed something, we prescribed Benadryl. Benadryl, right? How many of you know that Benadryl makes you sleepy? I took two of them. And so I took two and I started getting really sleepy in about 30 minutes. I couldn't keep my eyes open or nothing. And at some point, I guess, well, Christy said it didn't just make me sleepy, it made me a little grumpy. I just don't remember the grumpy part. <laughs> And so at some point, I guess in a sleepy state, I cried out in the middle of uh, this, you know, Benadryl-induced state, turn the TV down, it's too loud. I don't remember it, but I know I was right. It was probably too loud. I just wouldn't, I wouldn't have told her otherwise. But anyway, here's the thing. Whenever there's a problem, you should consider what the proper prescription is. And... And Benadryl worked, by the way, which is good. But more importantly, God's word works. Right here in Philippians 4, the Lord gives us some perspective. He gives us instruction on how to handle our problems, our needs, and our anxieties. You see, we typically handle problems by stressing out about them. We handle it with complaining, getting angry, talking about them a lot. We handle it with worry and reactionary responses to people. We get real testy, right? We respond to people, and that's all coming from anxiety, worry, and self-preservation instead of rejoicing gentleness and thanksgiving. And how many know when we react that way, we just create more problems? Here's what I love about the progression of this scripture. Notice a few things. 
First of all, he says, rejoice always. We're going to go back to the scripture. Rejoice always. Another word for rejoice is praise, right? Praise always. Not some of the time, not when times are good, but praise always. Rejoice always. Then he says, don't be anxious about anything. And we're like, seriously, nothing? He's like, don't, don't waste your time worrying. Trust me to handle this is what God's saying to us. Instead, submit everything to prayer. Again, God, you want me to submit everything to prayer? Maybe I shouldn't bother God with everything. Maybe I should just pray to him about the really, really big things. But I love what J. Vernon McGee says about this. He wrote in his commentary, should we pray about even the little things in life? And he says, he says it this way, perhaps you should consider what is big to God in your life. He's saying everything's little to God. So yeah, pray about the little things. In other words, Everything for God is something that he can handle. He's not afraid of anything, so you can bring everything. So we bring everything to God. And then he finally says, after you do this, he says, do all this with thanksgiving. I want you to be thankful. This is another form of praise, right? He says praise. So if we're building a sandwich, we're going to start with rejoicing and praising God. Then we're going to pray, right? We're going to put our problems in there and we're going to pray for them. And then we're going to end with thanksgiving and praise. In other words, we're going to sandwich our problems in praise. Are y'all with me? We're going to sandwich. That's a pretty good sandwich. A praise and prayer sandwich? I'll take it. That's what we're having for lunch. Happy Mother's Day, Christy. God is saying, I can handle your problems. He's not promising no problems. He promises to lead us through our problems. We live in a culture where people want healing, but they don't want to abide by the prescription. Just because God has given you favor in your life doesn't mean you will be free from trouble. Favor frees us when we're in trouble. You see, think about it. God's people, let's reference a story real quick. God's people, the Israelites, when they, had, when they were leaving Egypt, they had been freed from slavery, Right? They're leaving Egypt. They've been freed. And what happens? They run into another problem, the Red Sea. They got a problem. And God's like, listen, just because I freed you doesn't mean you won't have any problems. Free people don't still experience problems. But he says, guess what? I'll lead you through the problems. And so what does he do? The miraculous happens. The Red Sea is split. And they literally walk through their next problem. Philippians 4 is a prescription And then Acts 16, Acts 16 is the practice of that prescription. In Acts 16, the apostles are advancing the church through the Mediterranean world, and they are experiencing all sorts of incredible breakthrough, incredible things happening, and they're also facing persecution. A lot of you know the story of the New Testament church. They're experiencing persecution from the Jewish leadership, from the Romans. And in Acts 16, Paul and Silas are traveling through the city of Philippi when they run into a problem. They get arrested and thrown into jail for, quote, throwing the city into an uproar. That's what it says in Acts 16.20, which is a lie that didn't happen, but they get thrown into prison for it. We're going to pick up the story in verse 23. This is Acts 16, verse 23. After they had been severely flogged, they being Paul and Silas, after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison And the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in an inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Sounds like they are practicing the prescription, right? 
and, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for the lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your whole household. Now this story preaches about a lot of different things, but one of the great things that we can learn about the kingdom is this, is that we are to praise before we see the breakthrough that we are looking for. So as they sit in this prison cell, chains around their ankles, they begin to pray and sing hymns to God. They are not thankful because of the problem. No, no, no. They are praising because they are confident in who God is. No matter if they stay in prison for years, die the next day, they can praise God. Now, here's what I know. I'm using the word problems, but that can be translated to so many things, troubles, hardships. It can even be translated to this very moment. The things that we feel chained to, bondage in, so many of us feel like at times we face a kind of anxiety that is crippling. And the prescription that God begins us with is this right here. He says, I want you to praise before the breakthrough. We sing that song here, the, the words that we want to praise before the breakthrough. And I love that line. I love that phrase. Because we must praise in a culture of problems. We have to stop praising our problems because when we do, we elevate the problem into a priority space that it doesn't belong. There's only one place that deserves the priority spot in your life. There's only one person, excuse me, and that's the person of Jesus. That's, that's the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And when we put him in the rightful place in our life, then things can start to begin to work. If you keep facing loss after loss, well, praise before the breakthrough. If you are lonely, praise before the breakthrough. If you are desperate, if you are, if you are disappointed, praise before the breakthrough. If you have financial setbacks, if you have no solutions in sight, praise before the breakthrough. If you are tired of running, if you are weary from life, then I would say you need to praise before you plead. Praise before you plead. We must praise before we plead in our life. So many times we are pleading before God. Paul and Silas sit in this jail cell and they are not pleading to God for their release. They're not even pleading to the jailers. They are simply praising God and singing hymns. And the world is riddled right now with problems. It always will be. But we have to live a life, and we can live a life, if you will, full of the peace of God that transcends all understanding. Because when we praise before, during, and after the storm, before during and after the storm, before, during, and after the problem, we will then shift our focus from our problem to the one we praise. You know what I love about this, this story in Acts 16? I'm about done. But um, what I love about it is, of course, the miraculous moment of God sending an earthquake to literally break the chains and the problems, if you will, of Paul and Silas off their feet I mean, that story alone is powerful enough, isn't it? Yeah. It's pretty powerful, but there's, but there's more to the story. There's more. Everyone say there's more. there's more. 
it's not done. God also sets the other prisoners free. God loves to set people free. You understand that, right? He loves to cancel the debt that they owe. He loves to demonstrate and display his grace and mercy. Paul and Silas praise. And when the breakthrough comes, those around Paul and Silas also experience the breakthrough. How many of you know that when, our pray, when we praise, we can change the atmosphere around us? It's not just about you. Because our praise spills out of you into the atmosphere around you, into the people around you. It means that others are impacted by your praise. Others are impacted by your rejoicing and your gratitude and your thankfulness. Because when God overflows out of us, he spills into the streets, into our neighborhoods, our workplaces, our family, and our friends. So what am I saying? When you dive in with Jesus, other people get wet. Praise impacts the world around us. It's not just about you. It sets other people free too. I love that about Acts 16. You know what else I love about Acts 16? Guess what? There's more to the story. Everyone say there's more. It gets better. You see, God answers our problems. He handles them differently. We just need to get out of a circumstance, but he's got a bigger plan in mind. He's like, yeah, I hear, I hear you in your circumstance, but guess what? It's not just about you, but I may use you to do more than you think. All of a sudden, the jailer has a problem. Everyone say problem. He thought their breakthrough became his problem. The jailer thinks he's at the end. How many know when you come to the end of yourself, there's more? He thought he was at the end. He wants to kill himself. The problem is too big now. He's like, listen, if I, if I go back to my superiors, it's gonna go worse for me than killing myself. They're gonna, they're gonna severely punish me, torture me. I'm just gonna kill myself. The problem is too big. Here's what I know. I know that we live in a culture right now that for some of us, that's the very thing we think about. In your mind, underneath the facade and the face and the happy smile you put on every day, you wonder if the problems that you're facing in your life are too big and if you should just kill yourself. I know that's real. 12.2 million Americans seriously considered suicide in the past year. In the last 20 years, suicide rates have increased 30%. So I know in a room of this many people, there are some of you in here right now that you're like, wow, I did not expect to be hit in the face, if you will, by a story of a jailer 2,000 years ago that thinks the same way I think. There's a number of people here that struggle with this battle and you wonder if it would be easier for you to just take your life. And I pray that if that's you, you would allow this scripture, this next scripture, from this story to speak to your heart today. Comes out of Acts 16, we just read it. Verse 28, after the jailer thinks he's gonna kill himself, Paul shouted to the jailer. I love this. Paul shouted to the jailer, don't harm yourself, we are all here. As if to say, we're all here for you too, jailer. We're all here for you. We're not abandoning you. We're not leaving you by yourself. We're not hanging you out to dry. We're not, we're not forgetting you in this story. 
I want some of you to hear that line today. Don't harm yourself. We are all here. We're all here. You're not abandoned. You're not forgotten. There's more to your story. When you come to the end of yourself, just remember there's more. There's more than you can imagine, guess, or request. There's more than you think. In this case, in Acts 16, the, it's not even done. The jailer was the enemy of Paul and Silas. And it's moments like this in the scripture that you, you, start, to, you start to see the revelation of when Jesus says, love your enemies. You see, he doesn't want anyone to perish. He doesn't want anyone lost. He wants every person to experience his grace and mercy. He wants every person to experience the salvation because what does the jailer cry out to? Sirs, how can I be saved then? Believe in Jesus Christ. Then you and your whole household will be saved because guess what? God's not interested in one circumstance, one person. He's interested in all of us. He cares about your circumstance, but his plans are bigger. His ways are higher. He handles problems differently. So it's not about avoiding problems in life. It's about how you handle it. But it's really about allowing God to handle the problems and we follow the prescription and we stop following our own notes. You gotta quit following your own notes. You don't have good enough notes. You don't. But there is a book that we've been given that's telling us I can help you with your problems when you come to the end of yourself, I'm still got more for you. I wanna take, I just wanna take some time at the end of this to just to worship today. We wanna to praise today. And maybe you just wanna let praise fill your heart. Maybe you wanna sing this song that we're gonna sing, these words, praise be born by breakthrough. Maybe, maybe you, you need to come and bring your problems before the Lord. And instead of just pleading before God, you wanna praise God, then present your request. Then you wanna praise him again. Maybe you wanna follow the prescription today in the way you even pray. Prayer team, prayer team, if you're in here, if you pray with someone, praise God, then present our request, then praise him again. Right? Amen? Let me just ask with a show of hands today, how many of you guys needed to hear something about this today because you're, you're facing a problem and you realize I need more praise in my life over my problem? Raise your hand right now if that's you. Come on. Can I just say something? We're all here. We're all here. We're all dealing with it. We all got problems, but it's about how we handle it. And God, we just want to, let's just pray. Would you stand actually? Stand with me. We're going to pray. Stand up. God, we just want to pray right now that, Father, with our problems, we would allow you to handle them. That, Father, we would give them to you. We would, we would do the whole sandwich in our problems and praise, Father, that we would praise, we would pray, we would praise again. That, Father, we know that your ways are higher than our ways. I pray for any person in here that's dealing with problems that they just don't know what to do with them. They're dealing with problems that they are just spent. They're tired. They're overwhelmed with them. That anxiety is filling their heart. God, we know that you're not a quick fix, God. We know that you're not just going to 
make everything always go away, that Father, yes, you heal instantaneously, but a lot of times you heal through the small subtleties of just walking out a journey with you. I pray right now that every person would have a faith rise up in them to just surrender to the prescription, to the ways in which you lead us and guide us and show us the way of life. Father, I pray for those who maybe, as I, as I mentioned, who maybe have come in here and in the back of their minds, they're always wondering, is my life, is my life worthy to just keep on living? I just pray right now, Father, that they would hear your love today for them, that you love them and that you see them and that you have them and that, Father, you're not done, there's more. And so, God, would you encourage any person that needs to be encouraged in that way today? And, Lord, I pray for the, all of us that, Father, we would be people, we would be people who would praise in a culture of problems, that we would be people who would praise before the breakthrough, that we wouldn't just plead, that, Lord, we would trust you no matter what. We give you these next few moments. We pray these things in your name. Amen. This altar is open as we sing. You may want to pray right where you're at. You may want to come forward, but let's just allow this to be a time of response to our Heavenly Father. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.